couple years ago, when I first went on Twitter, I, uh, I noticed uh, one day that a guy by the name of Aeneas Williams was following me. Aeneas Williams, Aeneas Williams. I re remember Aeneas Williams who was a, a safety and a cornerback from the, the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I pursued it and Aeneas Williams who was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 2014 is now a pastor in Phoenix. Wow, that's interesting. He, he went from being a you know, pro bowler, amazing. You, I saw highlights of when Aeneas picked up a fumble in the end zone and took off like a scalded dog and ran 102 yards and scored a touchdown. He was a champion as a player. And now I've gone on to watch his church services from time and I see praise and worship. And I'm thinking about a guy who joined a new team. The person who's really helped lay out the notes that I'm preaching from today is, is Johnny, Pastor Johnny. Where is Johnny? Is he here? Okay, wave, wave your hand, stand up. If this message is good, it was Johnny. If it's, if it's not, it's Johnny. Okay. Um, <laughs> But he wrote some tremendous, some tremendous analysis of the book of Philippians. And so I've just been kind of surfing behind his scholarship. And last night he said, are you adding to what I did? I said, no, I'm trying to cull it down. But we've been looking at this, this journey that Paul had with the Philippian church. And we call that, we call the Philippian church a community of generosity and joy. Now, the, the thing that captured Paul's heart about the Philippian church was they were all in. They had really joined the team of the gospel. They, they weren't, it wasn't Achaia, it wasn't where Sparta and Athens and Colossae, it wasn't southern Greece. This was up in Don Tercev ter territory in Macedon and Bulgaria. The Philippian church was the first European church. Thank God that it was the Philippian generous church that set stage for all the European churches which have been marked by generosity to take the gospel around the world. And they were a community of sacrifice. They were a community that looked, and they were also a home of champions. Philip the Great and, and then uh, uh, Alexander the Great came from from that region of Macedon or Macedonia and conquered the world. So they knew how to win the game. But they totally bought in with Paul. And so it was interesting, even when Paul would be in southern Greece, he wouldn't take their money because their attitude stunk about service and lordship and finances. And he said, no, 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 I'll work down here with my own hands so y'all get the point that you aren't going to hire me, you're not going to buy, buy me, you can't fire me, your attitude's rotten, I'll take money from the po folk up north who have the right spirit and they've joined the team. They really get what the essence of the gospel is. The gospel is good news. God wants to grab you out of the toilet. God wants to set you free from garbage so that you can actually join the family business. Not so you become a big, fat, lazy, spiritual baby, but that you actually 
get a vision that I'm going to leave this team and play for a team more positive and, and something that can never be taken away from me. I'm going to play for eternity, just not temporal gain. It's been so interesting in sports, the number of guys like Nick Foles, who is the Super Bowl winning quarterback last year. He prayed and he was saying, God, I, I, I've, my career has gone way down. Do you want me to play this year? And the Holy Spirit said, Nick, stay in there. And he was, I think, the MVP of the Super Bowl. He's a God-fearing man of God. He plays for the kingdom of God. Tim Tebow was drummed out of, of uh, the NFL. They said it was, his throwing arm wasn't good, but the, the guy knew how to, how to throw winning touchdown passes, knew how to run. But he was thrown out because he stood up and he said, I want to T-bow, I'll bow to God. And I will go and I'll hug little kids with, with uh, spina bifida and with uh, paralysis. And, and I will stand up and, 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 and seek for young people to remain virgins until they're married. And in a world that's crazy for darkness, said, we can't take that guy. Get him out of there. And you know what? Tim's not sitting around crying over his lost career. He's not suing anybody. Do you know what he's doing? He's going all around our country and other places, and he's still kissing the kids with spina bifida. He's giving his life because, see, he never, he never truly joined the NFL to let that be his new God. It wasn't his God. It was a lesser thing in a real big vision. And so we're going to talk about catching a vision from God that takes us into a winning team. Where we, 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 we don't worry about whether a person's got a lot of money, they got a little money. Let me tell you something. We need to be money blind as well as color blind. In this church, I do not ever want racism to be our portion. I never want people to say, well, we, we don't want whether, you know, and you fill in your ethnic, you know. We don't want white people at joy. Well, we do have white people. In fact, I tell people we're very diverse here. We're diverse in Southern Oregon. We have white people with brown hair, white people with yellow hair, white people with black hair. But how many of you know we don't want racism? We also don't want moneyism. Because the issue is not whether you have a lot of money or little money. The issue is who's got your heart? Who are you really playing for? Are you playing for the kingdom of God? Or are you playing for yourself? And so we've seen that even in, in sports and other, other arts, there have been people that have stood up and said, you know what, I'm coming out of the stuff. I'm going to be an Esther. I'm going to be one of the three Hebrew children. And, and, and when the mu mu music plays, I'm not bowing down. Let me tell you something. When you're the stand-up guys, even short Jewish guys, in the middle of bow-down people, you suddenly look tall. We need some stand-up people in the midst of a bow-down world. In fact, David, uh, David Platt said this, God wants to raise up men and women in his church whose lives count for his glory on the landscape of human history. Paul is going to start in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3 by dealing with the naughty heads. Now, the naughty heads were the Judaizers. You see, the, Paul, Paul had it made in, in terms of being a Pharisee, being on the Sanhedrin, being from the right family. He had everything going for him. And, and yet when he found that it's by grace alone through Jesus and faith, he became persona non grata in, in, in the Jewish community. 
and he became an enemy. And so he's dealing, you're going to find out he, he could be naughty and he could say naughty things because he does it here in Philippians chapter 3. But let's read verses 1 through 4 where he's going to take on the issue of, of salvation by faith versus salvation by law. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Now, I'm going to stop there and describe what dogs are. Because every life-giving church not only has sheep in it, but it's got wolves trying to attack it, and it's got dogs hanging around the outside. See, dogs in the Bible are not spoken of highly, like we highly esteem our dogs. Well, most of you do. I, if you come to my house, I always offer Marco as a door prize. None of you rotten people have ever taken me up. You go, oh, you're joking. I'm not joking, okay? But in, 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 the, in the culture of the Hebrews, a dog was a garbage disposal animal. That's, that's the dog. The dogs were not used as pets. I think maybe a few people might have used them for guard. But they were just the, the garbage eaters. They're waiting for something dead to gnaw on. And around every life-giving church, there are, there are absolute wolves trying to tear people up and out. And then there's the dogs waiting... <laughs> And they're just waiting for something bad, like slander and gossip. And it's a, I'll chew on that. And, 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 and Paul said, watch out for this kind of person. Beware of dogs. And then he goes on and he lists some other people to watch out for. He goes, look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, which is a very, very negative uh, uh, depiction of circumcision. Circumcision was defined by God as being something under the old covenant that this is what it takes to be separated and identified with the people of God and and all of a sudden in Jesus it was circumcision of the heart and so Paul was tired of people who had come through the Jerusalem church and other places and gotten saved and were pushing an old agenda let's go back to Moses you can you can receive Jesus but you better be circumcised we better not see you eating a ham sandwich we better not see you eating the shrimp ring at Thanksgiving I love the shrimp ring I stand right there hi so good to have you at Thanksgiving and they were called Judaizers they were trying to bring people back under the law, and Paul was dealing with them negatively. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Did we put up the, uh, the, the, the title head of number one? We did. Okay. Number two, we're going to look real briefly at Philippians uh, verses 5 and 6. Paul is talking about what he was putting away, which was the glory days under his previous life. He said this, if you have confidence in who you are, your status, you know, who you're seen as, your title down at the synagogue. He said, I was totally in the game. I was really cool. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. <laughs> as to the law, a Pharisee. 
As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now that is pretty good. Paul is saying, hey, if you're just looking at natural credentials, because that's all the stuff that I'm going to let you know I just consider to be garbage, that you just throw to the dogs. Beware of the dogs. But if they need something to be fed, I'll toss them my old life that I kiss goodbye because it means nothing to me in light of the vision I have of something better. And he goes on, and, he's, and he, so here were the treasures of, of Paul's pre-Christ existence. He had family heritage. He was circumcised in the, on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He wasn't one of those people that knew they were Jewish but didn't know where they were from. He knew his family. He knew his tribe. He knew that he had been separated. He knew that he had been well-learned. He'd gone to to, uh, Pharisee University, had letters, was on on the ruling council of the Sanhedrin. He didn't have any higher to go in that world, except to be the high priest. But he got apprehended and saw something that was so much more beautiful than anything he'd seen under that old death sentence, that old wasted life that he was living. He had family heritage. He had social status. He had biblical knowledge. The Pharisees were not negative. When they came out of Babylon uh, under the time of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, the Pharisee group were the people that said, we need good scholarship so we never go into idolatry again. And we need to interpret the law. And they were strict on the keeping of the law as they saw it. Then they kept adding new things which became the Talmud and, and some of the, the Mishnahs and things. But so he had biblical knowledge. He was religiously sincere, but sincerely wrong. I, I've heard people say, well, all that matters is that you're sincere. <clears throat> I may sincerely think it's really groovy to drive on the wrong side of the freeway on an, on, on a, on an American freeway, but I may sincerely kill a lot of people. My motive might have been right, but my, but my behavior and my action was wrong. Let me just say this. There, there's a lot of depictions of Jesus preached out there. There's a lot of people preaching all kinds of this, that, and the other. But then there is that which is birth of God, which is to take us just beyond biblical knowledge to an experiential gaining of Jesus Christ, to where you begin to know. No one can convince you you're not born of God. You know it, you feel it, you see it in the Bible. And, and how many of you know you're born of God? There's, no one could take that ever away from you. And that's what Paul had experienced. And so he had seen religious activity. He was all in for killing Christians and, 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 and playing for the school until he was apprehended by God. And he had a moral lifestyle. He said, according to the, 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 the law of Moses, he was blameless. But he goes on and tells us in point three that the only treasure that counts is Christ. This is going to be hard for us. Many of us are going to have a hard time dividing between what Jesus has given to us and what we should really go after. Let me just say this. Everything that, that, that God has done for Kim and I, magnificently giving us a life and a house and, and, and a church and an office and leaders and people, that's the byproduct, friends. If we set our things as being the goal and not the one, I want to go past the gift to the giver. I want God to know. I want God to have a good day. Because I'm concerned about how Father's doing. 
How do, how do you feel, Father God? Now you go, well, you know, theologically, he's up there and he doesn't need this. Yeah, but metaphorically, and for me, I need to be good to Father God who's in the heavens as I am good to my wife and my children in my house because they're both sentient and they, and they can think. And I, and I think we need to be people who actually are concerned about God. Am I, would this hurt God's feelings? Is this thing I'm fixing to do, is this all about me? Is this putting King Self back on the throne? Or what's it going to do for the one that loved me and gave himself for me? And so we see here that Paul was talking about gaining something and will not get this if we only think it's about what, what don't I get to do? What do I have to put away? This isn't a holiness message in that, you know, don't wear open-toed shoes, girls. They're sinful and lustful. Or get your hairs up, up in a bun. You know, no, no red lipstick, beige, uh, skin tone's okay. No, that's baloney. Ah, rotten. But there is that where the Holy Spirit begins to guide you and begins to speak to you. This is the walk I want you to walk because you, you love me more than any distraction around about you. Paul said this in verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count... Uh, everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. In other words, <laughs> when I think about the things I had to say adios to, they're, they're rubbish compared to what I got in Jesus. To all the girls I've known before. <sighs> they hated me. I would have hated them. God gave me the right one. I mean, how many people... They live in a fantasy realm of what they could have been. I could have been a contender. You know what? You might have been knocked out in the first round too. <laughs> I think that Paul had it right. What I used to think was gain, just leave it. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's amazing how much you'll, you'll sacrifice when, when you fall in love. You can holler at a 17-year-old kid, hey, comb your hair, your teeth are green. Brush them, maggot. No, ma. All of a sudden, he catches, he sees some girl that's cute. I think I'm going to brush my teeth now. Vision changed his behavior. Yelling at him wouldn't do it. Stump whooping them, hand slinging them like, like, like chitlins, won't do it, but all of a sudden vision will. And that's the thing, many Christians haven't had a vision of how beautiful Jesus is. To go to the essential Jesus and not just the benefit Jesus. Oh wow, I'm so lonely up here, all alone. Okay, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Old King James says garbage. The Greek uh, background of this word rubbish is literally that which is thrown to the dogs to just get out of your way. This is such worthless as food is rotten. Here, the dogs will eat it. Here's a rotten old chicken. The dogs will eat it. And Paul said, that's, that's like my past. All the things that, that could have given me status in yesterworld. Ah, the dogs will eat it. I somehow think that maybe Aeneas Williams and, 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 and George Foreman and, and, and Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson was, had, had the Golden State Warriors right on the edge of their championship. And, and I think they got rid of him because he was a pastor. 
and, and, and he's still loving Jesus Christ. I, I love the guys that go, you know what? You're not going to take away my faith. Sure, I can be an uh, NBA sports announcer. Still, I can do this or that. But it's all rubbish compared to Jesus. That's the way I think it should be. Don't you? I count him as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, th- but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul is saying this. He said, you know what? I, I, I did the whole works thing. I tried to you know, establish my self-righteousness by obeying the law. I was circumcised. I was adherent. But I was cutting a trail through the wrong jungle. And God, by mercy, yanked me and showed me who he was. Honestly, everybody here, I pray that every one of you, at some point in your life, get God-shocked. That's what happened to me when I was 16. I got God shocked. I mean, I was just a church kid, but I do the church kid thing, you know, know how to like not get in trouble, but you're not really serving the Lord. And all of a sudden, ah, I got God shocked and I saw Jesus. And I go, dude, you know, I come out of my bedroom on a March afternoon in 1971 and, you know, there was no songs. I walk in my bedroom from high school Drop my books, and God says, sit down, and he starts talking to me and says, I want you. And I got saved. And about a month later, when I got cut off of a baseball team, and I had been an all-star the year before, and the coach told me, he said, we went with the, younger, with the older guy, and the, which didn't make sense because I was a younger guy and won the position, tied with the guy. But the Lord had said, I called you to be on my team. But my eyes were lit up when I got saved. Can you imagine my mom when I walk out of the bedroom? Mom, God spoke to me. Well, this will wear off. 47 years later, it just doesn't seem to be wearing. How do you know that the problem we have in church is we have a lot of people who are not well-born, They may not even be born of God at all. They've learned how to try to get a little religion on, but they've never been God-shocked to where they see Jesus. That's that's what I want. See, it's one thing to try to hokey-doke God and negotiate and plea bargain and get some things from God. But when you get to the point where you go, you know what, you can take things off my pickup. You can take things off of my life, including my very breath, I'm pressing in. I'm going after you, God. That's true seeking of the Lord. Okay? We thinking about this? And so Paul says here, he's, he, then uh, in our notes, we're looking at, at Matthew 13. Kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's what the Lord did to get you. In, in order to save you and I who would believe, because you know there's going to be a lot of people in hell. Can I tell you the tragedy of hell? Their payment was paid in full. But it's only applied to those that will believe. So it's really wasteful 
that God bought the whole field just to get us. But it's also very flattering how much he loved us. He bought, he paid for all the sins of the world that those that would respond could be saved. Now this is what's interesting. That just as that's the way he buys us into the kingdom, that's the way we buy the kingdom into us. I'm willing to bet the farm on Jesus. I'm willing to go all in for Jesus that I can get him. And all of a sudden it's different than, well, I'm going to plant a church and I've got four options. Let's see, Charlotte, because it's a pretty city, San Diego, because I like to sail, and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, Tyler, Texas, because it's the highest per capita income in the country. No. God, when, 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 when you serve on the team, you get orders. I want you to go to Medford. Yeah, but I've been around Medford Christians. They're a little bit, they're, they're roguish like the name. Yeah, I know. That's why they need you. Uh, is there, you know, how about San Diego? No, you can, you can sail Howard Prairie. <laughs> how do you know when you're under orders, it's a lot different than you? Saying, God, bless my mess. Bless, bless my decision because, see, I'm, I'm really into me. If we could see the pride in the American church, it's pretty pukey. The first century church, these people were facing their death to make the choice to come in at all. And they tended to say, we serve at the pleasure of the king. What do you want us to do, Lord? Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And so to get the kingdom, you've got to to sell your field to go after that treasure. Okay. Johnny wrote this, losing the world and gaining Christ is no loss at all. It is surrendering temporal treasures and pleasures that can never satisfy for eternal treasures and pleasures that satisfy for eternity. It is no loss. C.S. Lewis analyzed this aspect of, 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 of our tastes and our choices as humans. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. (laughs) I want to raise up some gamblers. I know Kim and I took the gamble. When we came to plant the church, we bought 25 pounds of beans and 25 pounds of rice and a few sets of playing cards and a book of Hoyle at the used bookstore. And we said, we're going to plant a church and we're willing to eat beans and rice. It was crazy. The miracles that happened. Old couple that we didn't know said, we needed to glean our garden. They hadn't even harvested their garden. They walked this 27-year-old kid and 22-year-old wife through their garden and said, here, take these cabbage and lettuce and take these tomatoes and take the cucumbers and, of course, take the zucchini. 
And as we were packing up our little Fiat, they said, do you have any canning equipment? We said, we don't. They loaded us up with canning equipment. And then money started coming in supernaturally without calls and appeals and GoFundMe. We had a church building for free. We had 100 chairs donated for free. We had an overhead projector donated for free. And we found out that when we were willing to say, Lord, I'll suffer the loss of everything, he said, not you. Nope, you get it. You are going to be an ambassador, and you're going to be funded by the wealth of the kingdom. You're going to be funded as I supernaturally cause money and resources and people to come from the north, south, east, and west. The Bible said that when, you know, when we walk with God, he causes even our enemies to be at peace with us. When a man's ways please the Lord. So Paul here is saying, hey, I don't really sweat all these things because I see something better. C.S. Lewis said, do we settle? Don't put all those things. The Lord knows that we like vacations. The Lord knows that we like this or that. He said, don't, don't run after what the Gentiles run after. Sink the kingdom of God, and I will send angelic hosts which will load your pickup with all that other stuff. While you sought me first, I'll go ahead and take care of that. That's the gamble I'd like to bring us all into. Jesus said, if you would deny yourself and take up your cross, you can follow him. The cross does not mean you die today. It means you're packing around your instrument of death for when it's necessary. So think about this. Here's, here's you and I, and we're, we got a cross. That's awkward. You sure can't hang that in one ear, can you? Well, if I want to lose the ear, I could. That's, that's a big cross. That's not decorative. No, this is a real cross. Because from time to time, I need to die to my flesh. Oh, so you get this, that really spiritual growth is about death to death which then leads to life to life and faith to faith and glory to glory. No cross, no glory. And that's what Paul was willing to say. I, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to embrace my cross. And Jesus said that. Number four, there is so much to be gained in Christ. True righteousness comes from Christ alone. We see that, that there was a list of what Paul said was given to us in the gospel. One is righteousness in verse 9. Christ's righteousness is different than self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is you saying, hey Lord, I'm going to try to serve you. Watch me, watch me, watch me. That's self-righteousness. God-righteousness is, is that I have no business to do any day till I hear from the master. When in doubt, hold it. When in doubt, don't. It's a good rule of thumb. When in doubt, don't. Don't just, well, the Lord will forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm just going to jump in and do stupid stuff. No. When in doubt, don't. Your dad's not, he's not dull. He's not blind. He's not deaf. He wants to talk to you. But sometimes you want to let little Fritz cool his jets a little bit. We'll talk about it after dinner. I know, but I want to know now. I know, but it's breakfast time. It's not dinner time. I want to know now. I want to know now. No, no, no. Cool your jets. You will get an answer. And they that wait on the Lord shall rise up with strength and might. When we follow him 
And we are not establishing our own righteousness. We're just saying, I don't deserve any of it. I can't even be saved in my own. It's Jesus. I trust Jesus. And now I've got to abide in the vine so I can bring forth fruit. I'm going to wait. And when in doubt, my answer is don't. Pastor Steve, you want to do this, this, and this? Nope. Well, what do you want to do? Well, not something that man hatches up. But I want to get on board and invest in what Jesus is doing. Hello? The resurrection. Christ offers us eternal life, guaranteed by his own powerful resurrection from the dead. Relationship. In Christ, we can know him. That's heavy duty. We can know God. Kim shared something with me that meant a lot to me. She was praying about me one day. And she felt she heard the Holy Spirit, or she heard the Holy Spirit say about me, don't worry about him. He's my friend. That was one of the best prophetic words I've ever heard in my life. Can I tell you a title that means a lot more to me than pastor is friend. See, a pastor, I just need to be able to convince someone to let me talk for a while. But to be your friend, it takes time. And to be a friend of God is more than just barking orders like at the jack-in-the-box, box, uh, you know, talk-through. To be a friend of God is where you chill your jets and say, I want to wait to know you, to hear from you, to have relationship. The next thing is sanctification. The suffering helps us to get all of the barnacles of the world off of us. And then eternal joy. The last portion of this, and I am rushing, is that treasuring Christ above all else includes passionate pursuit of him. Paul said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of, uh, of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. In other words, you, you could be wrong, but God will talk to you. Okay. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, he's going he's gonna, to um, set a difference between the other guys. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, let me tell you all it takes to be an enemy of the cross of Christ is just be self-willed. It doesn't matter what God says. This is what I'm going to do. You're an enemy of the cross because the cross represents not your will, but his be done. Yeah. And so some people, well, you know, how, how bad do you have to be to be an enemy of the cross? I mean, do you have to be like painting pentagrams on the door of the church? Do you have to be like sacrificing a dog in the backyard? No, all you have to be an enemy of Christ is just to live a self-will life and help others around you to do the same. And Paul said, hey, don't roll with those guys. They, they kind of roll with the dogs and the mutilators and the self-righteous bunch. But we cross, guys. Follow us because you're going to see on every decision, it's never our own gain. That's the basis of the choice we make. It's going to be what's right for God. What does God want from me? And so he says this. He says, 
Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly or what they can eat, what they can, you know, mate with. They're bestial in their behavior. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Last notes that I put on here is what was Paul's upward call? And these are some points that are going to be on the board. The first thing that Paul had and he, he determined as the upward call of God was to lay hold of his personal call. Not that I've already obtained it to, or have already become perfect, but I press so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something. When I was in Portland at age 20 years old, I saw something called prophetic presbytery where people were receiving words that brought them into their personal call. You see, let me just tell you this. There are more ministry calls in the church than pastor and Sunday school teacher. There is a diversity of calls. There's, there's pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet. There's, there's works of service, you know, gift of hospitality, gift of servanthood, gift of showers of mercy. There's intercessory gifts. And let me say this. I think it's terrible that any of us would ever go to heaven and God said, how did you fulfill the ministry I gave you? Uh, or master, I never bothered to find out what it was. I just thought I was supposed to be a Christian. What is that? What home builder can build a house without plans? Well, I just got some wood and some nails. And I'm going to start stamping things together, hope it looks good. Guaranteed, it won't. You've got to have a blueprint. And Paul stuck with the blueprint. He was three days into getting saved and he was told he was going to suffer many things to the name of the gospel. He was going to go and preach the good news of Jesus before leaders and rulers and kings. He knew what his call was. And he knew he had eye of the tiger. Lock down, load, keep going. I've got a call from God. I'm not a random person. I'm not a generic brown paper bag Christian. I'm called of God and I know what it's to be. And so what happened is I introduced prophetic presbytery and every person that I introduced it to stopped it. And I'm going, how can you offer your people the full accommodation of the tools of God if you don't even see a vision where they should know what their call is? Read my lips, guys. I want you to do your call. Even if that call will take you away from this house. I want you to plant churches and serve the Lord and lay your life down for Christ and prosper and build a mega business if that's the call. But you can't do it if you don't know what it is. And so Paul laid hold of that personal call. Number two, to leave the past behind and move ahead. Hey, it's over. Your touchdowns and your fumbles. The good dress you wore and you can't even get into it anymore. It's over. Move on. Leave the past behind. Paul did that. To know Christ deeply, even in suffering. Well, I don't want to know Christ in suffering. I only want to know him in the good stuff. 
Paul said, I want, to, I want to know him all the way. I'm called to be like him. I need to know what he felt. D, to embrace the cross, doing Father's will over everything else in life. And E, to be transformed by Christ completely at the coming of Christ. Our upward call should mirror Paul's, which mirrored Christ. A, we should have a personal call to fulfill. If you don't want to get your personal call, you will probably quit joy with time because you want to be a random, saved-by-grace-only Christian who goes to heaven with no fruit. Every person that is a serious leader and person at joy, they all want to know, what has God called me to do, and I want to get with it. We're not trying to compete with the, with the bunch that want everybody that they can fool all the time. See, you, you find your personal call. We can't fool you much. You, you'll have eye of the tiger. As long as you're just kind of floating, we know you're going to have enough casualties and problems in your life. You'll always be here and dependent on us. Pastor, I need help. I just did something random again. Of course you're doing random things. You don't have a blueprint. You got, you got to get your personal call. Number two, we need to leave the past and move forward. Leave the good and bad behind. That was a good day. That was a bad day. Okay. C, to know Christ in all experiences of our life. D, to embrace the cross. That's the watershed message here today. Will you embrace the cross or do you want to avoid the cross? And then E, to be transformed by Christ. We're going to walk in holiness. We're going to be being changed by God. And when he returns, we will be transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that, that as he is, so will we be. That's the blessed hope. Let's all stand up. You know, today, today I, I've been swinging with just crazy. When I get close to God, I get more radical. I don't get more wussified when I get in the presence of God. I kind of feel like that guy, like George of the Jungle, man, that I'm, I come in off the trees and I slam into the crowd on a vine. My call is to stir people up, stir us up. Rogue Valley has been called Easy Valley. Another way you could say that is Mediocre Valley. Just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. If I'm walking the tundra with Glenn Nicolicia and up there in Barrow, last thing I want to do is fall asleep. Last thing I want to do is fall asleep. I want to feel the pain of the cold. And I want to fight it. I don't want to go to sleep. At the coming of the Lord, we don't want to be asleep. We want to be that group of virgins that had their oil. They pre-bought the oil and their, their lamp was trimmed. Those leaders that are feeding the people of God in due season, but not asleep. And that's what my call is, guys, is I love this valley, but I want the kingdom to rule our valley and not the kingdom to be subordinated to the Medford culture. How many of you say kingdom of God culture over the culture of Easy Valley? We want to be people that do the will of God, that do the will of God. As, as I've been preaching today, both services, I was thinking about what a, what a privilege it would be to get saved again. How many of you Christians wish you could get saved every week? I want to get saved every week, but it doesn't work that way. 
The way it works is that when you're born of God, you're, you're saved. And he saves you for eternity. If you ever lose your salvation, you won't gain it again. But we're, we're born of God to be his sheep and follow him. And I think about what the beauty to be able to say, God, I, I need you. That's how it came for me. How about the rest of you? Remember that when you knew that you didn't have the power, but he did, and you just said, Lord, I need you? How many of you know, even as believers, from time to time we have to say, Lord, I need you, and still surrender in the same way? Well, right now I want to speak to you that come into this place, and you know something's wrong in your life, and you don't know if you're crazy because it feels like there's impending disaster. You're not crazy at all. There is impending disaster. Both kingdoms are ratcheted up. There's, evil is increasing on the earth. The forms of deviance and torture and sex trafficking and things, they're ratcheting up. They're not decreasing. The milk of human kindness didn't save us. We're not getting better as a species or as a people. But like the Bible said, out of the heart comes lust and murders and all those things. And the answer to America and the answer to you is to be born of God. To embrace the cross and say, it took the death of the, of the Lamb of God, of Jesus, to take away my sins. Forgive me, God. The Bible just says, if we'll call on his name, we'll be saved. And that's one time your sins are taken away and then you're being saved by the teaching and the growth that happens. As together we, we huddle up and well, honey, I feel this. And, and my wife tells me, honey, you're at a cross situation. Well, aren't you her boss? No. No. When I need to die, I need a good wife that will tell me. And this one, Steve, you need to die to yourself. Okay, honey, I need to talk to God. And it's not time to return and tell her my answer until I come back and say, I said yes. How many of you know every time we lose to God, we win? If you're here today, you can find Jesus. You can receive the Lord. He already paid for you. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want in. I want God. I need Jesus in my life. I need my sins forgiven. I've done a lot of wrong and I've been self-willed and I've done my own thing. But I realize that Jesus is to be my master, my Lord, and my Savior. Right now, if that's you, raise your hand so I can see and pray with you. This is not to embarrass you. I see a hand in the back. Let's see, are there any other hands? Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is a great day, great day, receiving Jesus. Any other hands? Get your hands up. Don't be ashamed to say, man, I need God. I'll tell you, I'm ashamed of a lot of stuff I've done, but choosing Jesus, I see another hand. Yeah, we're just, we raise our hands because we need the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me, would you all? And if you pray this from your heart, I believe and I know that you will be born of God and then you will be able to grow as a child in the kingdom of God. Dear Father, I thank you for your mercy. God, I know that you bought the whole world to save me 
and those others like me. Today, Lord, I'm making good on that payment. I ask you, God, forgive me of my sins. Change my heart. Change my mind. Make me new on the inside. You said, if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling now. Save me, Lord. You also said, if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to join Paul and people like him that wanted to know you deeply and personally. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. I receive you today, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.